right, Emmaus, if you would, take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 is going to be our main uh, place in God's Word this morning. We're going to be wide-ranging, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but if you have a hard copy in front of you or you have your phone and access Scripture, 1 Timothy 4 will be the place that you'll probably want to leave open to that we'll come back to and then ultimately end up there. Just to let you know kind of where we are um, in our service moving ahead at this point, uh, we're going to have a chance to study God's Word, and after the end of the sermon, oftentimes we'll stand up and we'll sing a song together, uh, celebrating those things, responding in prayer. Today, at the end of the sermon, we're going to have a time of guided, introspective prayer. You have a chance to really focus on the Lord's work and His reign in your life. And so at the end, I'll guide us through a time of prayer. And then after that, we'll worship through taking up um, our offerings. And if you're a guest of ours, at the end of the service, when we pass the offering plate around, that's when we would just ask that you would put that prayer card in there. Uh, we don't ask that, that you give financially, but if there's a way that we can know you were here and a way that we can reach out to you in, in prayer. Also, if it's of interest to you, next Sunday morning is our monthly membership class. Um, if you come to that class, you're not obligating yourself to join Emmaus, but it's a chance where you can learn about who we are as a church and if you can get more information about getting involved. And so that's at 915 uh, next Sunday morning in my office. And so if you're interested in that, just write on that guest card, member info, or write down, write down whatever you want to. Contact me about information. I was trying to come up with something pithy, but I couldn't come up with anything. So write on there, put it in the offering plate, and uh, I'd love to, love to tell you more about that. Uh, Michaela Harden is one of our student interns this summer. I want to introduce you to our student interns over the next few weeks. Um, and I've asked Michaela co to come and read our, our scripture for this morning. So, Michaela, guide us through that, please, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 10. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is for some value, godliness is value in every way, as it holds promise for its present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set in the living God, who is our savior of all people, especially for those who believe. Okay, let me pray for you and the youth interns and for our church. God, thank you for the opportunity to study scripture together. God, thank you for Michaela and her heart to serve. Thank you for the way that she uh, ministers to my kids, showing them the way to follow Christ. God, thank you for her work with our students and what you called her to do. And God, for Vacation Bible School and Falls Creek coming up, uh, that you would use our student interns. You would use every one of us to be able to point people toward Christ. God, guide us as we study scripture this morning, that it would be focused on your word and honoring to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again, Michaela. Uh, so some of you know that my wife Amanda and I, we moved to New Orleans from Oklahoma 
in January of 2005. We were going down there to attend seminary at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. January 2005 uh, probably wasn't the greatest time to move to New Orleans. Now, we love New Orleans. We fell in love with that city. Uh, it holds an incredibly close place in our heart to, to this day. But eight months after we got there, Hurricane Katrina uh, came on, on shore. And so we were living on the bottom floor of a little apartment complex owned by the, by the seminary. And we evacuated, left most of our personal possessions there. Uh, most of our wedding gifts from, from our wedding were all there. Completely got wiped out. Lost everything materially, of, of course, uh, almost everything. Amanda purposely left behind my jean shorts, hoping they would go underwater uh, in the hurricane, and that, and that worked out. But, you know, the only time, the only time that I cried following Hurricane Katrina was when I realized I had lost my baseball glove. Now you say, oh, and that's, you know, that doesn't demonstrate a lot of spiritual maturity. Uh, but when I realized that I had lost my baseball glove that my grandfather had purchased for me that I'd used all the way through high school and it had taken me through college intramural softball and it was a baseball glove. You didn't even have to close. The ball just touched it and it wrapped around the ball and I treasured that baseball glove. I'm not embarrassed to say I slept with that baseball glove. And when I realized I'd lost that baseball glove, that was the one time that the tears came flowing. Uh, my childhood, uh, for my, my two younger brothers and I, revolved around sports. Uh, my brother, just younger than me, his degree at Oklahoma State University was leisure studies. We got sports in our family. I didn't even know you could major in leisure studies until my brother went to, uh, to OSU and did that. But to this day, he continues to use sports and leisure and recreation. Even this very day, he's off with a group of students sharing the gospel through, through recreation. My youngest brother works at one of the best golf courses in Oklahoma, using that as a way to minister to the guys that he works with and involved in his church. We were back home um, Last weekend, seen family, and I found an old box of my dad's things and started going through his high school uh, newspaper clippings about when he played basketball. And I always knew he was really good, but it turns out he was really, really good because you start reading all of his high school newspaper clippings. That aspect of sports has just always been a part of our family. And as we think about Vacation Bible School and the whole theme revolving around sports, I thought, let's take some time to really think about how does that part of our society, that part of our world, sports, that so many of us are obsessed with and involved in, how does that match what we see in Scripture, what we see from, from God's Word? Now, you might be tempted to think, Owen, I'll see you July 15th when you start the sermon series on the book of Ruth. I hate sports. I can't stand sports. I spend my whole life trying to avoid sports. I don't know anything you're talking about with sports. Here's what I would say to you. Take sports there, scratch it out, put in hobby, put in recreation, put in leisure. What we're going to talk about for the next six weeks does not require an interest in sports. It requires an interest, interest in how does God's word speak to every hour, every minute of my life. So you may not care about sports, but you care about sewing or shopping 
or watching TV or being involved in a hundred different activities. There's something that you do outside of work, eating, sleep. There's something that you do to fill your time. If I mention sports, just fit in whatever you're interested in, whatever hobby, whatever idea you have that you really enjoy. That's what we're going we're gonna to talk about. That's what we're going to pursue for, for the next several weeks. Today, what I want us to do is develop a framework for thinking about recreation, for thinking about sports, because the Bible speaks to this more than you might realize. So we're going to develop a framework for that today, and then over the next five weeks, we're going to look at individual passages in the Bible that specifically mention sports-related themes or recreation-related themes, and we're going to walk through those. On the back of your bulletin, I've already kind of laid out for you a little bit of where we're going to go as far as understanding the framework of Scripture, and then over the next five weeks, how this all, all relates to that. When you think about our culture, and, and you don't even have to go outside the walls of the church. I mean, just stay right here with us right now. There are really kind of two extremes that we run into when it comes to sports and when it comes to recreation and leisure time. And, and Kenny alluded to this earlier. On one extreme is we just condemn involvement in sports and recreation. Sometimes this comes from a very honest perspective of just wanting to be holy, wanting to be pure. That looks inappropriate. That looks worldly. So we're not going to have anything to do with that. So it's, it's condemnation. It's judgment. It's you are a Christian. You shouldn't have anything to do with those things. Um, pray, eat, sleep, read your Bible. That's all you should really be doing in, in life. Sometimes as well, that perspective just comes from being grumpy. Um, and being grumpy is not a spiritual gift or, or a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, sometimes people that are very negative toward your involvement in sports or negative toward whatever your hobby is, sometimes it's because they don't have a hobby. Um, or their hobby is being angry at everybody else's hobby. Or their hobby is being grumpy. And um, that's not of the Lord. That's, that's not a spiritual approach. And... Related to that, sometimes when we look at our kids, when we look at our families, we're saying we don't want them to be involved in sports or recreation or leisure or hobbies or anything like that because we're trying to protect them. We're trying to guard them. The problem is those same kids are going to grow up and they're going to get a job one day. And they're going to have to make sense of how do I relate to my employer? How do I relate to this job? How do I relate to what I'm facing and still relate to it as a follower of Jesus Christ? So I want to be very straightforward with you. The next six weeks are not going to be six weeks of blasting sports or blasting your hobby or blasting recreation. If you came looking for that, you'll get a small piece of it next week. But that's not, that's not the approach that we're going to take. We're going to take a very different approach and say, this can be a great gift. Your recreation, your hobby, your sport that you love to consume, that's a great gift from the Lord. The question is, how do I glorify him with it? Because we realize there's another extreme. And that's the extreme of just consuming sports and consuming recreation and frankly being consumed by it. Where it begins to dominate your whole life. It begins to take over everything that you do, everything that we think, you think about. I love Kenny's question that he asked his son. What do you know most about? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What's driving your decisions? What, what is that? Are you consumed by it? Are you copying the things of the world? 
Here's a dangerous tendency that we run into when you think about recreation, sports, leisure. And, and we need to get this piece because it'll help the rest of what we do this morning fit into place. Here's the danger. The danger is that we segment our lives in such a way that here's the spiritual part of my life, here's my job, here's my family, here's sports, recreation, leisure. In that, in that reality, you think you can consume this over here, this sport, recreation, leisure, whatever you love, you can consume it, and it's not related to or impacted by the other boxes in your life. And we realize how dangerous it is to live that way because life doesn't work that way. It's all interconnected and something or someone is going to be your God. Something or someone is going to determine your decision making. And so we run into such a problem in church when we say, okay, this is the sports, recreation, leisure. And let me give you a, a phrase, and I'm not saying never to use this phrase again because I'll slip up in the next six weeks and use it probably in a sermon. Let me be tell you to be cautious of the phrase free time because free time uh, is something we use for kids when they go to PE or they're out on recess or they're having free time. Free time, this mentality of recreation, sports, leisure, free time comes across as it's my time. I'll do with it what I want. God will get his time if everything works out on Sunday morning. I've got my time that I'm going to do with that time what I want. And we realize what's wrong with that, right? We realize that it's all his time. That every minute we have, every breath that we take is ultimately from the Lord. And so it's all his. So if I participate in a sport or I have a hobby or I have this time to use as I want, it's still his. It, in a very real sense, is still worship. It's still spiritual. It still falls under the lordship of of Christ. And so I can't consume or be consumed by these things without realizing that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so every dollar that I spend, every minute that I invest, whether it's at work, whether with my family, whether it's on the sports field or in front of the TV or at the mall, every dollar, every minute is ultimately the Lord's. And so what we are called to is to say, how do I use that time? How do I use that money? How do I use the interests that I have to glorify him? We're not gonna live lives where we segment everything into these different groups. What you are doing this morning is not unrelated to what you'll do tomorrow when you go to work, and that's not unrelated to what you'll do Friday or Saturday when you have time maybe to, to take part in, in hobbies or leisure. Let me say one other quick thing before we jump into the core of this. Older adults, you might say, hey Owen, that's great. I've got good stories about my playing days, but my playing days are over. Uh, you know, I, I can't participate in sports anymore. Number one, we actually like your stories more than you realize. Uh, tell us the old stories, we enjoy that, uh, about the, the games that you play, the things that you enjoy. Here's the other thing I would tell you. Older adults, especially if you've reached that point of retirement, which means you're busier than ever, you're just not getting paid for anything. Um, but when, when you reach that point, how you spend retirement, post-vocational work, 
teaches young families more about being involved in recreation and leisure, teaches kids and teenagers more about that than, than you might realize. If you reach retirement age and just coast at that point saying, this is my time, I've always worked for it, I'm going to do with it what I want, don't be judgmental of the young family that's obsessed and overly engaged in sports. Because you've set an example that says, this is my time, I'll do with it what I want, and then you get upset about the young family that's taking their kids to a game. Don't miss the way those things are related. How you live your life in retirement is setting a model, an example for us as young families about how we engage when we have recreation, when we have leisure, when we have hobbies, where you're saying, I might have this retirement, I might have a little bit more leisure time, but I'm going to invest it for the glory of God. That shapes us. That impacts us. Because what God has called us to is not to condemn sports, not to consume sports. What he has called us to is recreation. It's cheesy, but you'll remember it. Recreation is really all about recreation. Recreation, as we participate in, as we live in this world that God has created, is part of what God uses to draw us to himself, and it's part of what God uses to shape our lives in such a way that we know what it is to follow him. And so we're not going to condemn sports, and we're not going to consume sports, but we're going to recreate sports. We're not going to condemn your hobby. We're not going to consume your hobby, but we're going to recreate your hobby so that it's used for the glory of God. Here's our framework. Here's what I want you to take home with you. And we've used this before, and we'll come back to it again. Kids, I know you don't have Elevate this morning, you don't have Children's Church right now, but if your parents have a blank piece of paper or you've got something to draw on, just practice drawing this. If you can draw this image, and it's on the back of your parents' bulletin as well, if they got a copy of it coming in. If you can draw this, what I love about this image is, one, you can share your faith with someone else using this right here. Number two, if you know this, you actually know the whole story of Scripture. This little image here will guide you through the story of Scripture. And this image is also about how God transforms our lives. It's a continual circle that you're seeing up here on your screen. So we start up in the top left. God's design or, or creation. God is the one who has designed and created the world for his glory. Kids, if you can't draw, I mean, can't draw, of course you can draw, you draw better than I do. If you can't spell, if you can't write the, the letters, just draw an up arrow in place of God's design. Just draw an arrow point, pointing up. God's design. He is the one who has created everything for his glory, for his purposes. Everything that exists, your life, this world, is created by God and for God. The arrow that goes out to the right says sin above it. Anytime we move away from God's design for our life, anytime we move away from God's glory, we are living in sin. And sin always leads to brokenness. Brokenness is that next circle. Kids, if you can't spell right there, just draw an X. So instead of worrying about writing the word brokenness in that second circle, just draw an X. When we move away from God's design, it's sin, and sin always leads to brokenness and death. You see those squiggly lines leading out to the right of that circle? Guess what? 
people have a tendency when they get into sin and they get into brokenness of thinking that they can escape brokenness and sin on their own. And so we do all of these things around us to escape a brokenness that we can never heal on our own. All those squiggly lines going out there are all the ways you tried to fix your life apart from Christ. All those squiggly lines out there are the ways that you see your friends and family making a bad situation worse by running away. Where do those lines go? They go further from God's design. They take us even further away from where God created us to be. But there's an arrow that comes back down into the left, and it says, repent and believe. In what? The bottom is gospel. Kids, if you can't spell the word gospel, draw a cross there. So you drew an up arrow in the first circle, an X for death and brokenness in the second circle, and you drew a cross in the third circle where it says gospel. Gospel is good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. That what we can never heal, what we can never take care of, the sin and brokenness and death of our world and of our lives, what we can never take care of on our own, Christ took care of through the cross and through the resurrection. And so we turn to him. But here's the thing. Sometimes when we tell the story of Christianity, we stop at that bottom circle. Hey, you prayed a prayer you trusted in Jesus for salvation, congratulations. If you could come to our church, that'd be great. Give some money, that's even better. Take care of kids, that's even best, you know. No, no, no. You get to the gospel, and what happens? There's an arrow that leads you back to God's design. Because here's the thing. When you experience the forgiveness and the hope and the salvation that comes through Jesus, it leads you to recover and pursue God's design for your life. Here's the good news. So now I'm set free from sin. I'm set free from the brokenness of the world, set free from the brokenness of my life, so that now I can truly live out God's design for my life and God's design for the world. And so as I know God's design, then I'm able to live it out through the power of the gospel. Now let's take that idea, let's take that framework. And I want to walk you through some passages of Scripture leading up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to walk you through some passages of Scripture and relate this to the concept of recreation and sports. Let's go to the next slide. We're going to start with the idea of creation. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The most important verse in the Bible about sports and recreation and leisure is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is also one of the few verses in the Bible about baseball. In the big inning, God created the heavens. That's such a bad preacher joke, but I, I couldn't leave it out. So uh, it's not in the beginning, it's in the big inning. Uh, we really hope the OU girls score more runs this afternoon so it's not so stressful to watch like it was yesterday. But uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created. The world that we live in is God's good idea. Is it corrupted right now because of sin? Absolutely. Do we face the ramifications of that? Absolutely. But let me encourage you. When we talk to people about the story of Scripture, and when we talk to people about Christianity, sometimes, if we're not careful, we begin with the bad news. 
when the Bible doesn't begin with the bad news. The Bible begins with the greatest news ever that the God of the universe has created the world in which his people would live for his glory. And so it is not a bad news religion from the very beginning. It, it's a good news that God has created a good world. Bad news, it's been corrupted by sin. Good news, Jesus overcame that sin and that death. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Be my people in this world. Live in this world in such a way that you bring glory to me. We see this actually in the life of Jesus. John chapter one, John chapter one is the next set of passages. John chapter one is meant to mirror Genesis one. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Here's what I'm wanting you to get from this. You say, Owen, sports, recreation, leisure, those aren't spiritual topics. And I want to tell you, Yes, they are, because the God of the universe came into this world. He didn't say, escape your world and come to me. He said, I have come to you. Take on flesh and dwelt among us so that we would see grace and truth, so we know what it is to live in this world in the way that he has created us. John 1 rescues you from two extremes. On one extreme is complete materialism. That this world and the things you do in this world are all that matter and all that exist. John 1 says absolutely not. That God has created, he's existed for all of time, and that he has stepped out of his realm into this world so that we know who he is. Materialism says, do your hobby, do your sport, take part in that, eat it up, because this is the only life you have to live, so just make the most of it. The other extreme is what sometimes in church, let me give you a word to write down in your notes if it's of interest to you. It would be the heresy that's called docetism. Let me spell this for you. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. Docetism. Don't, don't get too caught up in the word other than I just want to explain what the word means. It was a heresy in the early church that said that Jesus only seemed to be human. He only seemed to be human. He was really just a spiritual being who, who seemed to take on flesh. He wasn't really fleshly because why would God have anything to do with this world? You understand the danger, right, of, of that heresy? Because the heresy there says, don't have anything to do with this world. Just live a spiritual life completely disconnected from the things around you. That's how you really find spiritual life. This was showing up even in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you still have that, I know it's been 20 minutes since we referred to it, but if you still have 1 Timothy 4 open in front of you, you actually see this heresy showing up here. 1 Timothy 4, look at those opening verses of that chapter. Verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. You think, ooh, this is about to be really bad. Verse 2, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. What are they talking about that's so bad? Verse 3, 
who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. A teaching of demons? Like, this must be really terrible. What's the teaching? Forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God actually created to be received with thanksgiving. There were people in the early church and early Christianity who were saying, if you are really a Christian, you're not going to take part in marriage because that's of this world. You're not going to worry about food because that's of this world. If you're really religious, if you're really a follower of Jesus, you're going to disconnect from those things. And Paul says, whoa, time out. Those are good things that God created. He's never called you to withdraw from that. He's called you to approach it with thanksgiving in a way that honors him, but he's never said to withdraw from that. Those are good gifts from a good God. Let me show you a quote really quickly on the screen. That's a little hard to read with that gray background. But um, it's a quote from a book called In the Arena by David Prince. As you, uh, as you leave this morning, here in a few minutes after the worship service, off to the right as you leave is a table with a black uh, covering, and it has some books on it that I've used in preparation for this sermon series. And one of those books is In the Arena. Uh, David Prince is a pastor, theologian, former seminary professor, and administrator. And he wrote a book where he tried to pull together all these things related to Christianity and sports. If you know someone who is a coach, they're a parent, who is very involved in sports, I would encourage you to get this book for them and give it... The, give it to them as a gift. It's the best attempt I've seen at how do you take sports and put it together uh, with, with the gospel. David was actually a high school baseball coach before uh, getting involved in pastoral ministry and working at a, at a seminary. And so if it's a gift that you can put in the hands of somebody that you know that this topic really hits close home for them, it doesn't have to just be baseball. He references a lot of sports, but I would encourage you to look at that. He says, sports may not be necessary, but they are an inevitable and reflexive response to the world God created. Our love of sport reveals something of our identity as people uniquely created in the image of God. People created sports in response to the world God created. That this is a good gift. Go back to that three-circle slide, though. Remember where we are. Good, oh, yeah. God's design... But when we move away from that, it's sin. Let me show you a couple of Bible verses that, that relate to that, that come right after this. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you participate in a hobby, do it for the glory of God. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. We realize that these things can be received as good gifts from God, but if we don't use them that way, when we go away from God's glory, it leads to sin and it leads to death. Back to our three circles. When you find yourself in that brokenness, you don't run out further from it. You repent and you believe the good news of Jesus. Go back to those verses so we can see the way that those verses end that we looked at we looked at just before. Romans 3.23 thankfully doesn't end with a reference to sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That we would see that we are not left in this state of brokenness going away from the glory of God, but that through Christ we are brought back to experience the life that God has created us to live. What do you do at that point? At that point you have to figure out how do I live this out in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord. Back to our three circles again. You made it down to the bottom. Here's the good news of Jesus. How do I recover and pursue God's design? How do I do that with sports, recreation, leisure? 1 Timothy 4 is our answer to that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. You love to sew, you love to bike, you love to watch TV, you love to play baseball, whatever it is. You can receive that as a good gift with thanksgiving, realizing that it came from God. Every good thing we have is a good gift from God. So you can receive that. Kids, if you love to participate in sports, if you have hobbies that you love, what I'm telling you is you don't have to feel guilty for that hobby, for that thing that you love to do, but you do have to realize it's a gift from God. And so that means he owns it. He's in charge of it. He guides it. How do we use that in the right way? Verse 5 says, it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. How do I receive these good gifts in the right way? They're guided by the word of God. The word of God becomes our standard, becomes our guide for how we approach those. And they're driven by prayer. God, show me how to use this thing that I really love to honor and glorify you. Because when our hobbies and our sports and our culture becomes disconnected from the word of God and from prayer, you know what happens? Those things begin to be used for our purposes. And we partake in them and we consume them based on our feelings and our emotions and all of these temporary factors. And God says, no, 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 those are good gifts. I've given them to you. Receive them with thanksgiving. God, thanks for giving me this interest. Thanks for giving me this hobby. I want to receive that from you. Now, make it holy. Make it for your purposes, for your glory, and do that by your word, and do that by the power of prayer. There's a really great quote by G.K. Chesterton that relates to this that's on the screen up here. Chesterton says, you say grace before meals? All right. I say grace before the concert and opera and before the play and pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, Swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace, maybe not dancing, I don't, maybe that, but, and, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Chesterton is just saying everything you participate in, in life, it's a gift from God. There's always the awkwardness in the locker room before a sports game about trying to figure out what to pray about, uh, you know, I, I hate to pick on anybody, but, but earlier this year, our little kid's soccer team, like, 
we were getting ready out there, and the other coach, I saw him, like, gather. This is not a Christian league, mind you. Um, I saw him, like, gather his kids around him to pray before the game, and I was like, oh, man, look at that. You know, that's so special. That was the worst coach we participated in against the whole year. I was like, dude, next time, don't pray before the game. Just skip that part. Like, it, you missed the whole point of that, um, that, that this is to be received as a gift from God used for his purposes. What does it all point toward? It all points toward Revelation chapter 21. What began in Genesis 1, easily corrupted by sin, is restored by God in Revelation chapter 21. Pull those verses up on the screen and we'll wrap up with those. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He's restoring the picture of Genesis 1. The good world he created for his glory is being restored in Revelation 21. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Brokenness is done away with. And he says, behold, I am making all things new, including sports, including recreation, including hobbies, including leisure. I, I believe eternity will include sports and culture and hobbies and leisure, not for our purposes, but for his glory. And so what has God called us to as a church? What has he called us to as his people? Here's what he's called us to. He has called us to passionate thanksgiving and praise to him as the creator of every good and perfect gift. One of your responses this morning to God's word is to be a more thankful person. Kids, this summer, you jump in the swimming pool, or your parents take you maybe to the station, or you go to a water park. Wednesday night at VBS, we go to Andy Alligators for, for Vacation Bible School. That is a gift from God. We have a thankful heart. We worship him. We praise him. We say we are passionately going to acknowledge that every good thing we have comes from you. So whatever we're involved in, we realize, God, we want to honor you with this. We want to realize that it's a gift from you. When we gather as a church, we gather as a thankful people who want to sing to the Lord because we realize everything comes from him. Secondly, we realize that there's not a moment of our life or anything that we have possession of that isn't ultimately the Lord's. What I hope happens over the next five or six weeks for you in this sermon series is that you will see more clearly how God's word is meant to impact every area of your life, and all of it falls under his lordship. And finally, sports and recreation and leisures, they're an incredible gift to be able to share the gospel with other people. You have the person in your family, your neighborhood, who makes the funny quip about, well, you know what, I don't go to church. I, I just worship the Lord on my boat. Or, or I, you know, I've got other things on Sunday morning. I, I use that time for myself. Instead of leaning away from that conversation or immediately condemning, let me encourage you to lean into that conversation. Because you can meet that person at the point of saying, you know what, that is a really powerful way to worship the Lord. What do you think God's word says about how we do that? Or, or has anybody ever showed you what the Bible says about recreation or about sports? Not in a condemning sort of way, but just saying, this is a gift that God's given us to share the good news with others. So we will be a church that passionately worships him. 
We will be a church that seeks God's transformation in every area of our life, and we will be a church that does everything we can to share the good news of Jesus with the world around us, that that is what God has called us to. Would you bow your heads with me um, at this time? Before we take up the offering here in in a few minutes and, and get ready to go, I just want to give you a moment of, of silence. I know we move out of this room and we go to lunch and to planning meetings, and many of you have things to get to after this time, but right now, in this moment, I want to call you to give thanks to God for all of his good gifts. When you look at your heart and you think about the world around us, are you a person that realizes that those are good gifts that can be received from the hand of God with thanksgiving? That when you participate in sports or leisure or recreation, that you're receiving those things with joy? That when you gather to worship with the church, that you come with passion and thanksgiving because of God's goodness in your life? Emmaus, let's be known as a thankful, joyful congregation. Not condemning the world, not consuming the world, not copying the world, but simply saying, God, this is a good gift. Recreate this in us in a way that honors you. Think about your hobby. Think about what you love to do, what you're interested in, how you spend your time. And just simply ask God, to use his word and to use prayer to guide those things. This summer, I pray that it would be a fresh season for you of God's word and prayer guiding every moment of your life. When you go to work tomorrow, when you spend time with your family, when you have that so-called free time, it's the word of God and it's the prayer. And then, Let me ask you to pray very specifically that God would give you an opportunity to share his love with others through your hobby, through sports, through recreation, that God would open up a door this summer so that you can share the gospel with others through those activities that you love to participate in. God, send us out as the church. God, send us out as a people who say everything is from you and everything is for you. God, transform our lives from the inside out and then let us share that good news, God, with a world that is in need of hope and joy and life. God, thank you for this church that I love. God, guide us in the days ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.